Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today, we speak to Mark Dalbis about discovering house music in the mid-80s. And be warned, this show is special, very special to me. And if you want to learn more about the music played in this episode, please look at the show notes. One thing I haven't shared with the listeners of Friday 15 is the fact that one of my real loves other than reggae is actually house music. 
As um, a teenager, when I first started going clubbing in the mid-80s, Chicago House was the most exotic and the coolest of all dance music genres. So, lo and behold, uh, this week, I'm there in a bar having a drink and I bump into um, a skinny white guy who tells me that uh, not only is Chicago House um, his favourite music uh, genre, but also he was there at its inception and he's actually from Chicago. Mark, hello. How hey, are you? Hey, good morning. You? Nice to be here. How does a self-confessed skinny white guy <laughs> from the north side get into this, at the time, gay black music how did that story happen? Well, th- first of all, thank you for calling me skinny. In 1983, I moved back to Chicago to live with my father. I'd been living with my mom in Michigan. Barely 10,000 people in this town. I moved to Chicago, and all of a sudden, my high school has 4,000 kids. I remember one of my first days at school, I got there and I saw some black kids break dancing, and I had never seen that before. And I didn't know what the hell it was, but I thought it looked really cool. You know, my school was very integrated, and... I'm just always been the type that just gets along with people, talks to people, whatever. And I just got into rap. And from rap, then I found out about house music. Now, house had been around for a couple years before that. My first time going to the powerhouse on the south side of Chicago was probably around 85. But before that, I'd been going to like basement parties in Oak Park uh, and, you know, kind of on the west side of Chicago. Always the only white kid there. You know, I probably didn't know any better. I probably shouldn't have been there at the time, you know, now looking back. But honestly, nothing ever happened. No one ever messed with me. Like, now you also have to understand that this was five minutes or so before crack really kind of ruined everything. When I would go to the powerhouse, well, you know, I would sneak out of the house, go down there, and I would take two trains to get there with my friend and uh, who was black. And, um, you know, it didn't open until 11 o'clock at night. And then it would it would stay open until five six in the morning. You know, I saw Frankie Knuckles. I saw Farley Jackmaster Funk Spin. Before you go into detail, um, the powerhouse is important and seminal in the scene because that's not only where the music started from, the genre started from, but that's what gave its name to the genre house music, the powerhouse. Yeah, I think so. As far as I remember, yeah. You know, and there was also the Charlie Club, the Rainbow Ruin, there were a few other places playing house, but the powerhouse was definitely the main place. And it was really just a big empty warehouse space. It may have had a bar, but I can't remember. I mean, I was 15, 16. No one ever asked for ID. I just loved it. I, you know, and I was a pretty good dancer. I was into break dancing, got into house music. I would do all the spins <laughs> and just kind of float around and have a great time. But this is interesting for me because in the UK, I would have first started going clubbing 85 or 86, one or the other. And there was a club actually called The Powerhouse in Birmingham where I used to go, which used to play not house music all the time, but they would play a little bit of house music. It was all dance music. So you got a little bit of hip hop, you got a little bit of danceable pop, shall we say. Uh, but there always was the, the house music half an hour and all the black guys would just get on the floor. 
Um, but we weren't break dancing for us. Um, that was something you did to hip hop. Nobody was doing the rope. No. Up, nobody was spinning on their no. head. No, and they weren't really break dancing at the powerhouse either. But there were other clubs where they were. And the funny thing is, like, um, you know, it was never on the radio. This was all underground. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was one station back then. I remember an indie station called WNUR. They would play uh, unedited rap, and they would play house. Their promo was the best because it would be this lady's voice, and she would go, "Check it out, because it's fresh, wild, and nasty." And I used to love that. <laughs> I, you know, used to tape uh, all that music off the radio. We would just tape it. You know, you mentioned British house, which is funny because house music is Chicago, and that's it. Everything else is Absolutely. everything else is a copy, and I think EDM is like a, a bastard child of house, you know, today. But in the late '80s, we started getting British house music, and back then we called it Acid House. I don't know if you guys did, but we called it Acid House. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. So S Express and a Mars pump up the volume. And the funny thing was, it wasn't bad. You know, it still wasn't as good as what Farley Jackmaster Funk was doing and Frankie Knuckles and stuff like that. But it was pretty well, good. Well, you sound like a, a nationalist American, but I'm actually <laughs> going to agree with you. And a minimalistic genius to the early Frankie Knuckles, Adonis, J.M. Silk stuff. Mr. Mr. Fingers, oh my gosh, you know, uh, about this love. Describe those early forays into electronic music for you. What were the sounds like? Just something I'd never heard in my life. Growing up with my mom, you know, she was into the Beatles, rock and roll. She had every Zeppelin album. You know, I grew up listening to that stuff in the house. And then, you know, when I heard this in Chicago, it was just so new to me. I mean, it, the thing was, it was just so new for everybody. And it was just very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, the powerhouse being kind of a gay club. It kind of was, but it wasn't like a fi- like officially a gay club. Like everybody went to the powerhouse. It didn't matter. And I probably didn't realize all that stuff too when I'm 16. I just wanted to go and dance. The other thing I need to mention too, there was some other clubs around town that started picking up house music. And one of them was called Medusa's. And Medusa's was open for over a decade in Chicago. And it was a teen dance club. And it was an amazing place. It was a building on the north side of Chicago that was three stories. And each floor was a different genre of music. And Uh um, the third floor played house. Eventually, as it got more popular, the first floor played house. And there, and the powerhouse, the funny thing with me was, I really was naive and stupid, but just having fun. Like, I would get in dance battles all the time. And it was so funny, because it was like, I was always battling some black kid or something like that, you know? And it was always uh-huh. like, if I won, 
<laughs> oh, you lost to a white kid. And then if they won, it was like, oh, you beat a white kid, like big deal. But never, I swear to God, no violence ever. Like no one ever tried to fight me. No one ever said, let's go outside. And that's what I go back to. Like it was a little before, like we're, crack was starting to ruin things at the time, but it hadn't really gotten bad yet. It's interesting what you say about that kind of friendly vibe of, of early house music. And it's hard for me, even now, some 20, 30 years later, not to still associate house music with peace and love in yeah. almost like a hippie-ish way. But definitely by the time that Acid House started coming out of the UK in about 88, 89, mm. there was the big smiley face, yes. wasn't there? The big, in effect, yeah. and that was so emblematic of, of that scene. Yeah. And it was the fact that, you know what, you went, you danced, uh, some people danced badly, some people danced <laughs> well, but you, you were swept along with something. In the UK, we didn't really have that kind of crack epidemic that you had in the US. But by the, let's say, the early 90s, as a, a subgenre of house then became drum and bass or happy hardcore, when it got faster, that's when uh, the wrongans, as we would say, you know, people who wanted a little bit of rough and tumble kind of came into the scene. But definitely the, there was a five-year, six-year period where it was white working class kids, black working class kids. But our scene wasn't initially based around uh, kind of gay music at all. And there was no racial divide. But before we move on to talk about any more about the house music and Frankie Knuckles in particular, you've got to tell me, uh, Mark, why you've decided to choose the seminal house classic Love Can't Turn Around, which is sang by uh, Daryl Pandy as uh, your piece of music on Friday 15 this week. It's one of my favorites. You know, the, thing, the funny thing is, like, anytime I do play any house, it really, mm -hmm. it just takes me right back, you know, and it makes me happy, it makes me want to dance, and it just kind of, it just takes me to back to a very good time in my life. Turn around. 
I know you're a man in your in your mid forties now. When's the last time you were in a dance battle? <laughs> uh, probably ten or fifteen years, easy. Uh, I think when、uh-huh. I came to LA, I think I may have gotten into one, but it's been it could be even longer than that. It could be twenty plus years or something. I don't know. No, no, no. Please, please tell me it was six months ago. I've this,、uh, I've got this image of you as a a middle aged man, you know, <laughs> and、uh, challenging some some、uh, some man. It, it has to be. When... If I did a battle today, it would have to be two minutes or less because I, 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 you know, I start to get tired. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be like a really fast dance battle before I get winded and like you know start throwing up. The funny thing was too, if I went to other cities at the time in the eighties and I would go to clubs. You know, except for New York. New York, you know, knew about house. But if I went to other cities, like I did, come to LA once. I went to a, a some club. You know, I asked him if he could play any house, and he just looked at me like he didn't know what the hell I was talking about. So it was at the time, and still is. I mean, house never. It was all Chicago. You and I know who Franco Knuckles is. Fans of house music know who Franco Knuckles is, but you'll never see it.、You、never saw it on, on MTV. You never heard it on Top Forty Radio or anything like that. Born in Chicago, kind of stayed in Chicago, and it's been copied, it's been altered, but no one's ever really captured, I think at least, what those original guys did. And when you say soul, like you feel like you can. The thing about house is you feel it in your body. One of the things we, no one's ever explained to me, and I'm not asking you, Mark, for a definitive answer, but the music started not just in the U.S. but it started in Chicago, and it started. With people like、um, Frankie Knuckles,、uh, Larry Heard, etc., who's Mr. Fingers, but the music really blossomed in Europe and then the UK. Why do you think that was? That's a great question. I don't know. I don't. You know, I've never been to the UK, so I'm not sure. But you know, the UK. I mean, look at the Stones and the Beatles. If it weren't for Howlin' Wolf and the blues and things like that, rock and roll probably wouldn't have been born. So, it could be an extension of that. I'm not sure. At the end of the, I mean, I don't even know how house music reached you guys, you know, because it wasn't played on the radio. We didn't have, you know, file transfers. I couldn't like send you a mixtape over the internet. It didn't exist.、Mm. So it's interesting to me, like how it even showed up there. I imagine some somebody had brought a mixtape on a plane to England and gave it to the right DJ. I mean, I don't know. But when Acid House reached us, we were like, "Oh wow, they're doing what we're doing." You know, it was really cool. You know, it's funny you say about the smiley face too, because at the time I was making jokes. I'm like, 
oh, the Brits took our house and they took the smiley face from Watchmen. <laughs> well, uh, Watchmen was created by a British writer and, uh, and, and a British artist. And then they sold it and to DC. But anyway, <laughs> let, let, let... <laughs> this music was so regionally based, even in the UK when, when I was uh, kind of clubbing. So up until 1988, you couldn't go into London and hear house music in the UK. You could only do it in the Midlands and in the North. And it was a Northern kind of phenomenon. But I think that maybe one of the reasons why the UK and then Europe kind of took it on because I think musically uh, we're more experimental. I'm not saying that we create better music over here. Uh, over here, I'm in San Francisco now. I'm not saying that in Britain we create better music, but they're much more prepared to take musical risks. So I think that's maybe the reason why something like punk, though, started again in the US. But actually, um, in terms of the discordancy of, let's say, the Sex Pistols, or kind of like two-tone scar, things like that. It always seems to be that it's kind of the UK that takes more musical risks, whereas the Americans, you seem to refine and perfect musical genres. So I don't know. This is well, it's interesting too. I think I think another. I was just thinking about this, and I think another reason it, it was as popular as it was is because it wasn't on the radio. You know, and I think mm -hmm. it, you know when you're young, especially in your teens and early twenties, you gravitate things that are not in the mainstream that rebellious kind of thing. And I suppose the great thing, which you kind of say in hindsight, is that you could create this genre of music in your bedroom with a, with a Roland 808 yeah. machine. It kind of is a precursor to, you know, modern music that we have now. One of the things I, I feel a strong need to say is that those were real DJs. They knew how to mix a mm -hmm. record. They knew how to, one was playing, and they would just gradually and slowly bring in the beat from the other record until it mixed. Mm -hmm. You know, and they, back, you know, and that's actually what you, we used to call it back in the day was mixes. What I see today a lot of the time, someone calls himself a DJ, and they're really just hooking up their stupid laptop and just playing music. There was an artistry and a finesse to these guys, Frankie Knuckles and Farley Jackmaster Funk, and these guys that played those turntables like instruments that knew how to mix beats and, and records in a way that was really amazing. And, and you, it's like putting you in the moment with them too, as you're dancing and as you're in this, like they're, it's just like if you're listening to any other concert or like somebody's doing a really amazing guitar riff or drum, drum solo or something like that. Like the things mm -hmm. that they would do with the turntables were really amazing. And it's my benchmark when anyone ever tells me they're a DJ, I'm just like, yeah, okay, well, let's see what you can do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
hope you enjoyed this week's show don't forget you can follow the show's progress on facebook by simply typing in friday 15 you can also find us on twitter where you can follow me so i'm at royfield spelled r-o-i-f-i-e-l-d now every thursday you can jump onto twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's friday 15 itunes reviews folks are extremely important they're the lifeblood of any podcast please go onto itunes and write us a a glowing review and don't forget finally you can email me where i'm royfield spelled r-o-i-f-i-e-l-d at gmail.com see you all again in seven days time for more good music and great conversation hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.